You are listening to the Some Good Content Podcast, a swipe file of proven content plays shared by some of the most successful content marketers out there doing the work. I'm John Benini, and I'm your host. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the SGC Pod. Today, my guest is Ben Saylor, who's the inbound marketing director over at CoSchedule. Ben, what is going on? It's good to finally have you on here. Hey, hey, yeah, glad to be on the show. Why don't you give us the the one or two lines on on what CoSchedule is and who it helps? Yeah, so CoSchedule uh, is a family of marketing software products that are all designed to help marketers get organized uh, and plan and execute their work. Uh, our core product offerings are content calendar, marketing calendar software. Uh, we also um, have a premium version of our headline analyzer tool that a lot of listeners might be familiar with called Headline Studio uh, that uh, helps uh, you know writers of all kinds you know write better headlines. Um, and then we also offer our CoSchedule Academy, which is um, our uh, marketing education, uh, you know, learning uh, course platform. That's probably the most awkward way I could describe it. <laughs> uh, I'm not exactly sure what our uh, our elevator pitch is for it yet. Uh, some of those other those other pieces are a little bit a little bit newer, but right. most people probably know us for our our calendar software. Yeah, for sure. And you guys are based in Fargo, right, North Dakota? Yep. Uh, yeah, we are based in North Dakota. Uh, we have offices in Bismarck, which is actually where our headquarters and our co-founders are based out of. And then uh, here in Fargo, where I'm at as well. Are you guys the biggest software company to ever come out of North Dakota? You got to uh, right? <laughs> that's a really good question. I know that for a while we were saying we're the fastest, gro- fastest growing startup in North Dakota, which may or may not technically be true anymore <laughs> but in terms of um yeah i think in terms of like market visibility that might actually be true yeah uh we're definitely not the biggest tech company in general though because microsoft has a large presence in fargo and so i don't <laughs> Who think are we're they? gonna yeah. <laughs> like... they don't count they don't it's not like they were yeah they didn't start in in fargo get out of here Right, right. Yeah. So for uh I don't think we 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 haven't quite caught up with yeah. them yet, but someday, yeah. Um, You'll get them there. Yeah. But yeah, uh yeah, sure. Ben Ben is coming on the pod today to talk about you know, the uh the content plays that have worked for CoSchedule, the biggest over the last 6 to 12 months. Mm-hmm. And first, we're just going to start here, which is the biggest channel. Like tell us like what the biggest channel medium is in terms of content for CoSchedule. Yeah, sure. For CoSchedule, um, our our biggest channel is organic search, SEO. So that, blogging, that, yeah. That, that that's been our yeah blogging. That's been our our bread and butter since the uh, since the company was founded back in 2013. And so oh, yeah, it's built up a, quite a backlog of of blog posts since then. Um, yep. So in, investing a lot in paid ads and stuff like that. Or are you guys primarily content driven? Uh, we're primarily content driven. Uh, we do have a paid strategy. Right. Um, we have a pretty targeted uh, pay-per-click strategy, and um, we do run social media ads. I think primarily on Facebook. Uh, we maybe we've dabbled in like LinkedIn advertising a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
but a lot of the, the paid side is handled by other people on our team. Right. And so like, I, I know that it exists, but I think it's a pretty modest investment right. that we make in those areas. And the product, is it self-serve or do you have like a big sales team that's getting people set up? Like how does, how does that work? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it's a mix. It, it depends on um, how much complexity the uh, customer is looking for. It can be self-serve at the lower end, but we also have a, uh, a pretty robust sales team and sales operation right. uh, for um, customers that you know need that from us. So um, we have plans that are made to scale um, from the needs of, you know, like a small one person solopreneur all the way up to like fortune 500 companies. Right. The reason why I ask is right. That dictates your, your content strategy. Like, are you trying to yep. sell people directly into the product in your blog post? Or are you more trying to get people sent over to sales, downloading an ebook mm -hmm. and they'll kind of take it from there? Like what's the primary play in your blog content? You trying to drive people directly into the product or just more so generate leads for the sales team? Yeah, you know, that's an awesome question. And it's one that, you know, pardon me, it's it's one that has been a little bit gray for us. And it's something we're still kind of figuring out, like, it's a big challenge to figure out, like, what's the best path to send a user down um, in regards to, like, is it better to get them onto the email list and nurture them that way? Is it right. better to get them straight into a product? Is it better? I mean, there's all kinds of questions that, that um, y you know, that, that you can ask uh, in that area. And for a really long time, the play was pretty much just to build the email list. It was to start. That with was everybody's play. Yeah. 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 And so, and we really weren't exceptional in that regard. Um, and for a long time, there wasn't necessarily, I mean, there's things that we do with like email automation and things like that to try to segment, you know, the, the list and things like that. But the, the actual strategy wasn't that complicated for a really long time. And we built a huge email list. Yeah. Then we reached a point where just as our marketing operation, you know, matured, like the conversation over the last couple of years for us has really evolved more towards like, where you're getting at like is it really the best thing to do to just build a huge email list are there ways that we can kind of shorten the path you right. know from reading a blog post to actually getting into a product um and so we've been doing uh some tests you know with things with um just trying to test like different types of calls to action and um trying to identify you know which pieces of content are people likely to find when they're really looking for a product? Like, so if someone's looking for marketing calendars, editorial calendars, content calendars, uh, those are pieces that maybe have like a more clear connection between right. someone looking for information and connecting that to a product. Or if someone's actually searching for a product and like getting them to a page that's going to show them right. a product or an experience that's going to show them a product versus uh, some things that we cover on our blog that are, um, topically just maybe a little bit further away. Right. From so yeah, you're aligning the more high intent stuff with the product. That makes sense. And maybe yeah. some of the other stuff, email list, and maybe over time the sales team can engage at, at Databox yeah. for us. It's we've primarily funneled everybody into 
because we have a really generous free product. And for us, the mindset is, you know, the typical product led mindset, which is our support team and sales team, um, which is really support is going to be able to provide a lot more context if they already know what you're doing in the product. If you connected Google Analytics and HubSpot and they see what metrics you're tracking, they could reach out with a super targeted message rather than like, oh, you, you subscribe to the blog and you, you read this ebook. Right. So yeah, we, we've kind of like adopted the full on product led strategy. We don't reach out to anybody that hasn't signed up for the product. Um, that just means the, the blog content, right. Really has to align with intent, like you said, and drive people to the product. So yeah, Yeah, it's an interesting, you kind of have to like, there's a lot, I feel like there's a lot of brands caught in the middle right now, like which way, like we have a big sales team, so we need to feed them leads. So we need Mm -hmm. to put eBooks in our content and subscribe to the email list. But also we're thinking about this really generous free product. We should probably just send people into the free product. So I think it's just, yeah, it's it's a matter of like companies picking a, picking a side and like deciding who are their salespeople going to connect with people who have Mm -hmm. subscribed to the product or who have not. Um, but I feel like a lot of companies are sort of caught in the middle of that right now. Um, yeah, for sure. But I want to get into the plays. So, Mm-hmm. Uh, ben, uh, like everyone else who comes on the pod is going to share the most effective content plays over the last six to 12 months at co-schedule. So mm-hmm. tell us about play number one. Um, you were, you know, gave us a peek beforehand, uh, about updating a multi-chapter guide that was ranking near the top of page two on search. So like, tell us about that play and how that yeah. worked out. Yeah. So I think, uh, a lot of folks are probably familiar with the concept of like topic clusters and pillar pages and things like that. Um, and what we did wasn't really reinventing the wheel by any means, but, um, it's something that's been really successful for us is we have a, a, a guide about marketing strategy and it, tells you exactly how to plan a marketing strategy in a way that I think is maybe counterintuitive to the way that, you know, people are traditionally taught to think of a marketing strategy, like Mm. rather than just telling you to create this like very verbose document that's all based on guesses. uh, It's a guide that actually shows people how to kind of treat um, marketing strategy like an ongoing data driven process, right? And so, and obviously, from an SEO perspective, there's a lot of different keywords and a lot of different topics that that's targeted that, and, um, you know, questions that people ask through Google that that guide is intended to answer. Um, and since the topic is so broad, you know, marketing strategy is too big of a topic to be a single blog post and to really be effective, um, at least in my opinion. Like, that's the kind of thing that you could almost, like, you, you, you can in books. Books have been written you know, about, you know, very high level strategy. And so we created this guide, you know, a number of years ago and we had never done anything like that, like at that scale, you know, like when we created it, I think it was back in like probably 2016 or 2017. Um, we had identified that, you know, we were really good at blogging and we just wanted to take things to the next level and we wanted to be able to target, you know, bigger topics, more competitive topics. And, you know, like, a you know, a lot of folks, you know, like it's not a new tactic by any means. It's not some secret thing that we devised, 
uh we i we but but we identified um you know like maybe like creating like like a more robust guide you know that could go more in depth on one topic than a single blog post could like maybe that uh would be um maybe that would be more successful like if we wanted to write something about marketing strategy that would be right that would better suit what the uh what, what the reader needs from us and just writing another blog post. Which so this, to just to be do. clear, this isn't like a PDF ebook. This is a web page. It's a web page. Yep. Um, it used to have a downloadable PDF that was like gated, like if someone wanted to right. read it in that format, but um, we didn't really see the point in doing that. We just weren't confident that a lot of people were actually downloading the pdf so when we you were more doing it more so for the seo benefit really right like in the the pdf kind of gets yeah kind of gets in the way of that yeah the pdf was kind of you know kind of just thinking about the user like if someone wanted to read it in that format but i mean data just didn't really bear out that people were using it and so we didn't want to make our designers recreate the pdf if people weren't really consuming it that way um and so it was kind of our first attempt at writing like a, a big, like huge guide, like, right. like, like that. And, um, pretty resource intensive. And then like it had some success, but, um, you know, for a lot of like terms that like it was targeting, it would be like on page three or like near the top of page two. Um, and so it was driving traffic, but not nearly as much as what we would have needed to see in order to consider that project successful. Um, what kind of keywords was it ranking for, like on page two? Uh, you know, just for like marketing strategy, just like straight so big, up. I mean, big ones, high volume, pretty high intent for, yeah. for you guys, right? Marketing strategy for a marketing calendar, editorial calendar product. That's a pretty high intent keyword. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so and we didn't feel too bad about it. We like we kind of knew it was a Hail Mary a little bit because difficulty-wise that's a really really difficult keyword to rank on. Like that's almost like trying to rank for marketing in general. Like you're trying <laughs> yeah. to you're trying to be the Kleenex of of marketing at that point. Um when you start targeting, you know, terms that are that broad. And so like we knew it was it, it would be challenging and it would take time. And so we kind of just like learned, I think internally, just a lot about SEO. We learned a lot about content and, you know, like a lot of things. And so um, when we relaunched and just kind of like revamped the guide, like last fall, I think we were just better equipped to know how to do a better job at it. Um, and just apply and, and just like apply a lot of things that like that we've learned over the years to just like make it better than it was when we were just kind of taking our our first stab at it, and um yeah and just from like doing uh, some pretty heavy rewrites just like rethinking like the angle and the approach and the content. What was like the what would you say was like the biggest thing you did to get it from page two to page one? Like there was probably multiple things, but like high mm -hmm. level, what were the big what were the big wins there that you attribute to getting to page one for that keyword? Yeah, um, really, just like the main like hub page, the pillar page uh, before didn't really offer. It was just it was a little bit thin, you know. Like the strategy was like, okay, well, if we have like fifteen chapters all linked together. 
that are all paginated and you know it looks like collectively these 15 chapters create one big piece then maybe the main like hub or like the homepage for it doesn't need to be so robust right um and so what i tried to do instead because like that it just wasn't really like working the way that we hoped that it would. Um, I just like rewrote the hub page so that even if you read nothing else in that guide, you could get the information you needed from that one page. And then obviously it links out to all the other chapters. And like, if you want to go more in depth into different areas of the topic, you can do that but you would get like the high level overview, like the information that you need is all on that one page. Um, and after we, and then also we, we took some chapters out that we just thought were bloat. Like right. they were just there for keyword purposes, but they maybe didn't belong in the, uh, the guide. They were just kind of padding for length and maybe making it more overwhelming, you know, to consume than what maybe it really needed to be. Right. Um, yeah, and that was about it. <laughs> and then, uh, we went from maybe ranking between 12th and 20th, you know, depending on the day, uh, to ranking number one within a month or two. And what I also think is interesting about that is, I'm going to Google, what, gonna what, Google it right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you can, you can, uh, live on the podcast. You, you can, uh, yeah, verify, um, you know, uh, oh, the wow. veracity of that claim. I have you at number one on page one. Marketing so strategy, it, how to plan yours in 12 steps from co-schedule. I have that number one on page one for marketing strategy with 165,000 searches a month. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Like because like Did you know we, you were on page 1 or did I just did I yeah, just break we that did. news to you? We, we well, we thought that we did because like At number 1 though. Did you know you were at number 1? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> um but the thing is like I I felt like I was 90% confident that we generally were ranked number 1 because like you know that like that rankings fluctuate from time to time and like we would try like looking at it through like an incognito window and like yeah, things yeah. like that that you do and like our SEO software would like, I think it technically shows us at like number three, but every time we search, we're number one. Every time we ask somebody to search, we're number one. And, um, so we felt pretty confident that like for most people doing most searches, we're probably number one. Um, and that was really incredible to see because like we were expecting a lift, you know, like some improvement, like we were yeah. like, you know what? if we could get in the middle of page one with the amount of volume that keyword has, that would probably drive a very high volume of very motivated clicks for us. Um, yeah, this so is really, this is a really interesting one. And one kind of call, kind of call an audible here, mid pod, podcast and just kind of yeah, dig into it since I have the post up here, like you're doing a lot of things, right? So, I mean, for everybody listening, you know, 165,000 volume keywords, are typically pretty hard to rank for, especially like yes. short tail ones like marketing strategy, as Ben already said. So CoSchedule mm -hmm. is ranking number one, 165,000 searches a month, really high intent for your product. This is an example of a really good piece of content. So obviously the page title, marketing strategy, how to plan yours in 12 steps with a template. 
So not only are you probably ranking for marketing strategy, but if you search for marketing strategy template, I would mm-hmm. assume that you're 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 strong there as well. Um, and all your H2s, an actionable marketing strategy template you can use. What we talk about when we talk about strategic marketing, marketing strategy versus marketing tactics. What's the difference? Ten examples of different types of marketing strategies. So you're doing a lot of like good things here, like the examples things. People are always searching for examples. They're always looking for mm-hmm. inspiration. People are always looking for the templates. They're always looking for something they can execute on. Like, how did you determine? What was the process for determining all the H2s and all the related keywords you wanted to rank for in this post? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, the first time that we launched, you know, like I said, we launched this guide, like the, the main hub page was kind of thin. And it kind of had... When you say thin, what do you mean? Like... The, the, the copy on it just didn't go as in-depth as I felt like it needed to. It was more of a navigational page. Yeah. Rather oh, okay. than a good piece of content on its on in its own right. Got it. And so in order the, the the way that I went about um the way that I went about determining just the structure of the page, like the outline of the page and like what are the H2s gonna be, what are all the subpoints going to be? Um the the way that I went about it was a mix of starting with keyword research and SEO data. And then also doing a lot of topical research, just, you know, getting a really good sense of what do people need to know about marketing strategy? Like what questions do people have about marketing strategy? What are things that confuse people about marketing strategy? Um, what, what are all the things that I can do that can answer as many questions that people have on this topic and not just chasing after not, not, not purely just chasing, you know, search volume or just trying to cram keywords under the page, but just trying to make like one really, really robust, really comprehensive piece that if you have a question about marketing strategy, you could get it answered in this one place. Right. And then once I kind of gathered all that information, it's just like, I mean, it was, it was just the same as, as how you would write any outline. It was just taking all that information and uh, putting it into a logical order. Um, and then that also from there informed what all the sub chapters were going to be, uh, like each of the chapters that are like included in this guide that are also linked from the, um, the homepage, all of those just kind of go more in depth into different things that are related to it, that people are naturally going to want to know next. Um, and so it's a mix of, uh, just using data to figure out what people want to know and then just kind of giving all that information structure. And you also have like really good graphics in here, uh, infographics, uh, created by your team. I assume all of those are probably optimized with, uh, you know, relevant image alt text too. Yes. So you're kind of checking all the boxes here, right? You're, yep. you have the template, you have the images with the alt text, you have the examples headline, you have mm-hmm. the definitions, like you're you're kind of covering all the bases of what people would search about uh, if they're searching for marketing strategy, right? They're they're going to search for a template, they're going to search for examples, they're going to search for mm-hmm. what it is, they're going to search for what they should include, and you kind of went through the list here and addressed all those things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then we also tried to make sure that the page is easy easy to navigate, so you're not forced to scroll through portions of that page that you maybe don't care about, right? 
kind of like if you've ever been on a recipe website and it opens up with a 500 word spiel about <laughs> the worst. how someone's grandma used to make these <laughs> this this special recipe and yeah so like i really wanted to avoid those kinds of spammy seo plays that just unfortunately happen to work really well yeah at least do something from a UX perspective that just helps the reader get to what they're looking for. And so that's like that table of contents on there is, is, um, is interactive. So you can just like click around the yeah. page. I think also part of the reason why we did that too, like Google wants to see what they call comprehensive content, which again, not a new concept. Um, but they want us, they, they want to give, users the information that they're looking for in as few clicks as possible and i think from well, when you take a topic like marketing strategy like it might be really easy to just pick one of those elements like maybe you would just write about um the examples marketing strategy versus tactics or maybe oh, yeah. just examples or maybe just you could just do maybe one or two of those things what we wanted to do was give people the one like we want to give people one location to find all of that information but we didn't want to just take what other people had done already and just like rewrite all of their content and then put it on one page which is also a very common tactic which i don't want to say that it works because i don't want people to do it but it does work right but it doesn't create a very good user experience because it's Without the uh, like original insight or you know um, fresh perspective or just without any authenticity, really, I, I think people kind of see through that. Right. Well, but this is a, it's a yeah. This is a really great example of a well-optimized piece of content. I'm going to include a link to it in the subsequent post from this, so everybody could check it out. But I want to jump into the 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 uh, your other play here before we run out of time. Sure. Yeah, it's absolutely. one that uh, gets brought up a lot in the group, which is outsourcing writing to talented freelancers rather than creating everything internally. So talk about that shift in mindset and why that's been helpful. Yeah. So for a long time, we created all of our content in-house or um, we would um, we, we would also accept content from guest writers. Like if people sent us a pitch and just wanted to write a blog post for us, um, we got quite a bit of content that way, but we we didn't actually make an investment in hiring freelancers to to um to write for us. And there were a few reasons for that. One was we have very specific expectations and very specific standards for what we want to see in our content. And for a long time, we just didn't trust other people to do it not because that they would be incapable but because we they just don't know your take... product they don't know your team your processes your mission all that stuff yeah and there's just too much we kind of figured for the amount of work that it would take to get an outsider up to speed we can just do this ourselves right that was our attitude for a long time and then it got to a point where we, we kind of started to run into two issues. One, it was difficult to find writers locally who we could hire. Um, because for us, um, we have, and this is maybe something that's unique to co-schedule. We are, we have no remote staff. 
Um, and part of the, the, the reason why we don't, you know, even though th that's becoming uh, increasingly common, uh, is that being based in North Dakota, it was really important to our co-founders that we be a North Dakota company and that we create opportunities for North Dakotans. Right. Uh, because for the longest time, if you had an interest in working in this industry, it was the case would be you would either get one of the few jobs that are available in the state, but more more likely you would you'd have to move. And that was not that's not a good thing, you know, for our community, for our state, you know, to just be educating talent and then shipping it across the country. Um, but one thing that we did find and, and like, and we've, we've, we, we've done very, very well hiring very talented people locally here. Just like, like we've, we've proven that it can be done even in a place as sparsely populated as North Dakota, a place that literally no one thinks about unless they're talking about the movie Fargo <laughs> or the TV show, most of which takes place in Minnesota and not even <laughs> here anyway. Um, but one thing that we did find is it was really, really hard to find good writers and it was hard to pry people away. Like if they had a good writing job, like a lot of times people don't give that up, you know, yeah. if they're, if they're comfortable where they're at. And so we had to kind of, it, it was, just, it, it became necessary for us if we wanted to scale our our content operations, if we wanted to do more things, you know, that, you know, that we wanted to try to take on, we needed to get more help. And where are you looking or have had luck in the States overseas, like anything specific that's helped? Um, you know, we've hired writers from all over the world. Um, and what we found is that, you know, something I think is obvious, you know, to anybody who's, uh, hired freelancers and found success that way is that when you open your talent pool, like you can find the right people anywhere, like literally anywhere on the planet. And uh, we found it was just, it, it helped us get beyond like the roadblock of just not being able to find the right folks in our little bubble, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, and it's not just us that runs into that, you know, like the reason why I think so many companies hire remotely, whether they're hiring writers or whether they're hiring some or all of their staff remotely, is it opens up the talent pool, you know, by an incredible, mar by, by, by an incredible, you know, margin or like extent because, um, you're not banking on the right person just being down the block. Yeah. You know, like statistically, that's probably not going to be the case, you know, no matter where you are. Like even if you're in a big city, like it might be really difficult to find someone who's a good fit, you know, right in your own community. And so what, what we found is that there are a lot of writers out there who are very skilled and very knowledgeable uh, in our space. Um, and that we actually haven't had to upskill those folks nearly as much as we thought that we would. Uh, and they've really, the, the freelancers that we work with on an ongoing basis, like regularly, like they've really kind of become like a really strong, really positive extension of our team that has allowed us to 
scale our content creation without sacrificing anything quality yeah. wise. We've had that same experience at Databox. Like if you have a tight process that's repeatable mm-hmm. and you have a good outline process, a good process for assignment briefs, a good writing process, it's a superpower. Like you can hire, you can yeah. bring in freelancers, they hit the ground running. It's a superpower. Like you can mm-hmm. you can scale so much quicker, you can create so much more content. You know, you can mm-hmm. probably do it co- more cost efficiently depending on, you know, what city your company's in. Um, it's a superpower for sure. So, yeah, I'm yeah. Um, I'm glad that's working for you. But, Ben, this was awesome. Thanks for coming on. Love digging deep into that blog post. Like I said to everybody listening, I'm including a link to that in the actual write-up. Check out that post because it's a clinic on how to optimize a post for high-intent, high-volume keywords. So check that out. Uh, but, Ben, thanks for coming on, man. This was great. Yeah, yeah. Thank you uh, for having me on the show. And uh, thanks, thanks for the kind words. I appreciate it.